Midakyapi, Elena Eagleshield, and Machiapi, Yushkiawa Chiankapi. Um, my name is Elena Eagleshield, and I am the co host of Indigenous Love and Abundance podcast. I am a mom, an author, a wife, a PhD candidate, um, and I'm excited to be here. It's your other co-host here, Red Rock Eagle Stannon Perkins. I am the main caretaker of our children at home, a knowledge keeper, and a singer, and an all-around <laughs> build-it-if-you-need-it type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're really testing and, and messing around with our little titles. I feel like I say the same thing, but I like yours, caretaker, main caretaker. <laughs> better than stay at home dad <laughs> <laughs> okay today's podcast we're gonna share about our home birth journey so join us as we have um a conversation about remembering our home births so we found out we were pregnant in january of 2020 and it was a crazy i was in my very first year of my phd program um, it was going to be our third child, and we were excited, nervous, but also not expecting at all what was to come. Shortly after we found out, we started to tell folks like my PhD advisor, our family, different people that we were expecting, and then the whole world stopped. And it was scary. It was a scary, scary time. So we just booked it back to North Dakota left everything red rock ended up going back later for some of our stuff but it was such a scary time and when we got home some of the community work that we were doing was we have a you know we're a part of a nonprofit called the mini Wichoni health circle and they were doing work around supporting families who were either had covid or needed support with groceries or whatever and we were finding out that families were going into the hospital alone, mothers, birthers, and them and their baby were getting COVID. And, and at the time, it was so scary. I, when I think back of like my anxiety and my well-being at that time, I was so scared and terrified. So we started to explore options of like, what do we do if we can't give birth in a hospital if that, to, because if you put yourself in my mind at the time, it felt like that wasn't an option. So Red Rock's cousin is married to a midwife. She's not indigenous, but she has been married into um, his tribe for many years. And so reached out to her and I was like, hey, I would love to get support. You know, I'm very scared. I don't know what to expect. I don't even know if this is the right path, but I would love your support. And so she showed up like a few days later had our very first like prenatal in our house and I remember sitting on the couch scared right because we don't know first of all the this home birth journey but then we also didn't know um the safety of everything and everybody and so she came to our house and I remember sitting on the couch and she asked me a question like how do you want your birth to look and I was like hmm I don't know, probably in a teepee, eh? And I remember laughing about it and she just was looking at me real serious and she was like, it can be like that. 
I was like, for real? And I remember then starting to, like, there was layers and layers of things happening during that time. But I remember thinking of all the shame I had to work through of, like, how am I going to tell people in my family and my community that we're doing a home birth? Like, it felt like you grow up thinking home births and these types of things, doulas, midwives, all of those things are for, like, hippie, rich white people. It Like, it's a luxury. And so my mom was a nurse for 30-some years. My dad worked in community health for 30-some years. And... I was just like, oh, God, they're not going to like this. They are going to be um, they're going to talk me out of it. They're going to put their fear on us. And and so I just remember working through all of that, all of the shame, all of the worry, all of the fear about what other people will think or the judgment that's going to be put on us. But I was also very, very scared. And so I remember us having a conversation like, what are we going to do? I was scared. <laughs> I think for me, yeah, that was definitely like, it was scary because it was unknown, new virus, new protocols on like how you handle things and hearing people getting sick and then dying and like not knowing like what the future holds. And then, yeah, coming back to our home in North Dakota at the very beginning of the pandemic and then... Yeah, reaching out and then finding this midwife that saw this birth journey in a more traditional way as well and not as like a procedure or appointments. You got to do this, 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 that and and seeing it like as a job, it was more of like a ceremony for mm. her and for us. And I think that that part right there was like the biggest like eye-opener for us especially when she asked like what do you see and that really made us think of like how do we want to bring this baby into this world yeah we didn't have any specific (laughs) idea but like that got our wheels turning we always thought about bringing back our traditional ways of our cradle boards and different teachings different ceremonies around babies because in traditional aspect children babies are the most sacred beings and that's why in Lakota they're Wakanya which refers to them being sacred Mm -hmm. so we got to asking elders like what type of ceremonies did they do Mm -hmm. or how did we how did we traditionally birth babies and we got to visit with a few elders and them sharing different experiences or stories that were shared through their grandparents even getting to hear like the connection of our our traditional homes back then how they symbolized birth like i shared earlier so many of the things that we had heard or knew or learned about there's this way of joking in indigenous communities where You almost tease your way out of doing something that is like rightfully yours. So we say, not that tradish, just always wearing a ribbon skirt. (laughs) Not that tradish, two braids. Not that tradish, just speaking Lakota. Deep in my soul, I know that's from colonization and things that, that have been pushed on us to shame us out from doing those things. But I didn't realize how much it impacted me until we started to talk about these birth things. Like when I was thinking of... Man, every time we've had a baby, we've made 
chekba oganake, which is like a container for the baby's belly button. And that is an important thing because the baby's belly button protects them. And so we keep it in a safe place. But we started to learn other things like you make a decoy one. And so you make the exact same one twice and one has the belly button and one doesn't because there's different stories about it. But essentially, the belly button protects the baby. And so you take care of it and you honor it because that's still that that remnants of that that took care of them when they were in the womb. And there's also things that we started to learn about what to do with the tchamani, which is the placenta. You know, you bury it. And in the middle of the winter after our baby was born, we buried his placenta out in Makoche Wash Day down by Little Eagle where my dad grew up. And the thought behind that was that when you bury, wherever you bury the placenta, the baby will always come back to. Their spirit's always going to come back to that place and so you grounded them in those in those places and spaces that you wanted them to come back to. And so we started to learn all these things, like Redrack said. Because of the pandemic, because of how scary everything was, we started to go within. And so we're like, let's start this cradle board. Let's start beating these chakba ogunake. Let's think of what how we're going to do the naming ceremony. Let's think of the traditions, the foods that we're going to eat, the medicines that we're going to take. Let's think of how we're going to bury the placenta. Let's think of how we're going to feed the baby. You know, obviously, we're for me, my first two kids, we breastfed them. And so, um, or I breastfed them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't breastfeed. <laughs> I and, supported. <laughs> and so we talked about, like, how we're going to handle those things. And it was so important for us to be intentional about centering our prayer and our energy because the outside world was chaotic and it was so uncertain and there was still fear like I said my mom was a nurse for 30 plus years she was so afraid that something could happen and if I'm here you know I was close enough to a hospital that we could get support but she was still scared and so there was a point where I had to tell her like mom I can't have that fear around me if you are going to be scared or constantly telling us that we're making a mistake or maybe this isn't the right thing then I can't have you here because I was working through my own shame and guilt and processing what I didn't know was in my DNA of these histories that our people have gone through where there was forced sterilization we were forced to have babies in a hospital all these horrendous things and through my journey of healing and therapy and all that stuff I started to learn how it plays into DNA but at the time, I, I just remember I had to set a boundary where I was like, I cannot allow that fear in because I have to start preparing my body. I've never given birth at home. I had two babies in the hospital. I've had the epidural. I've had medicine. I've had, you know, all the tools. I've had a bazillion doctors and nurses standing around me ready to deliver my baby or whatever. And so as I was preparing, a fear kept coming in like, we're going to be alone. Red Rock, I'm so afraid nobody's going to make it. I'm so afraid nobody's going to make it on time. And I just kept having this fear like that we were going to be alone. I remember waking up and I was having a dream that I was um, in labor. <laughs> and I just woke up to contractions or surges. And I was like, oh, gosh, this isn't a dream. It's not a dream. This is real. And so I woke up my husband. Well, I think you should go back too about um, how you prepared before you start to go into labor about like the readings and the different techniques that you learn about breathing and trusting your body as well because that was I feel like a big 
part of it of how the birth and everything was super calm compared to like in the hospital our experiences weren't really traumatic everything went really smooth for us but still routine like, oh <laughs> but still yeah like through um the doctor is telling you when to push when to do this how to do that instead of you listening to your own body and its motions that it has to go through to give birth yes and so like all those different things that you you've read upon and researched in order to help you prepare for the I guess the labor and bringing in the baby into this world was a big part of that I feel because yeah the morning of the baby being born like there was no like urgency of well for me it was urgent because I had to <laughs> <laughs> running I was trying to get a pool set up fill it up with water and get it to the right temperature and running around and kind of <laughs> rub your back and help you through each of the surges but like there was no fear Right. When the time came, that was, I think, the biggest thing that I noticed during during the um, labor. And then, yeah, just me trying to get everything set up before baby got here, which didn't happen. <laughs> but, like, the whole process, watching you breathe and and you were super calm and putting on specific music, which was the late Kevin Locke. His flute mm. music is what helped bring the calmness mm. into the into the space and helped you trust your body in those moments of like all right this is happening and it was really amazing to watch you go through that and to see to see that part of you so going back thank you for reminding me to go back because when i was starting to um prepare for this i remember reaching out to um our midwife and asking questions I was so nervous no idea so I reached out to our midwife um I started to reach out to our networks we were reaching out to folks in the community who had been doing birth work whether through um you know as doulas or just indigenous birth workers or birth reclaimers and so I was reaching out to everybody I could think of and so many people I was realizing are so generous with their knowledge And I was taking notes and I was, you know, just thinking of the books that they were recommending. And I ended up um, really was really helpful was I was creating this cradle board, which was I felt like I needed to do to be busy, to prepare, to go within. And so I started to beat a cradle board, never beaded a cradle board ever. But we figured it out. We kind of did measurements based off of a, a baby shirt looked at like our babies were 20 inches or 21 inches long when they were born so we're like it has to be at least 21 inches long every month or two months or whatever how much do they grow in a month so you know how how long um would it need to be for the baby by the time they were one years old or whatever and so we started to prepare the cradle board and all of us put time into it as we were beating I was listening to all kinds of audiobooks. My son and I would listen to audiobooks. Red Rock, we would listen and, and just center ourselves because, again, it was just a weird time. And I was listening to Alicia Keys's book, and she talked about how she leaned into hypnobirthing. And I'm not, you know, I don't believe hypnobirthing is like this full proof thing where you don't feel any pain. I don't, that's not even, I don't feel like that's maybe, maybe some people don't feel pain but I do feel like what I learned about 
reading and listening to hypnobirthing is just learning to breathe. Because like Red Rock said, when we went to the hospital, uh, the doctors and nurses tell you how to hold your legs, when to bear down, how to push and all of these things that like literally our bodies know what to do. And so I didn't know, though, I had no experience like my body knew what to do because I had the other interventions that were um meant to make things easier or faster or more convenient whatever it is the routine way that babies are born and so when I was listening to the hypnobirthing I would be practicing just breathing and and feeling into my body and um, I had one of my really good sisters and friends were teaching me how to meditate at the time and so I was like okay I didn't fully understand any of this I wasn't ready for that stuff until it happened and I was ready And so I started to have dreams about the baby. We didn't know what the baby's gender was because we didn't like, you know, go get all of the ultrasounds or those appointments. We were, yeah, we were too scared to even go to a hospital. So we stayed home for a lot of the beginning of the pandemic of that first year. And so it was the, our midwife coming to us and checking our vitals not my vitals but elena's vitals and (laughs) giving her recommendations and bringing these different natural like plants to help with like her iron levels to help bring them up so that was another big thing was like these natural plants and foods that we can make connections to and to use to help our bodies to help bring up levels we need to our things like that yes and I had always so we both grew up traditional we both grew up around our ceremonies and our life ways we've seen medicine prepared we've had medicine but I don't think I ever like seen you know how they impact you which is weird because we are also raised that like it's not seeing is believing it's believing is seeing um but when I seen how all these birth workers and birth reclaimers in our community, plus our midwife, plus things Red Rock was learning, were sharing like these medicines with us. And it was the only thing that I was changing. And I was seeing like my iron levels were coming up. I was seeing that my blood pressure was going down. My blood sugar was going down. All of these things just from adding medicines like um, lemon balm, which is a mood uplifter and supports digestion and nervous system oat straw which is like it maintains blood sugar levels and reduces stress and gives you micronutrients and minerals stinging nettles i feel like stinging nettles and i have this really beautiful relationship uh is the lakota word and it's high in nutrients and vitamins such as vitamin k other minerals protein calcium and iron Uh, i would use lavender which in Lakota is which supports colds, fevers, and strengthens your heart. I would use chamomile and bee balm and um, red raspberry leaf towards the end of the pregnancy and after the baby was born because it boosts milk supply and helps with cramping and is a good source of magnesium and calcium and antioxidants and all of these things. Like I literally had no idea how they impacted my body until I seen the way they impacted my body based off of like the very minimal 
ways that my midwife was documenting my like iron and blood sugar and blood pressure and and all of that stuff was happening just right here in my living room we were having a conversation we would eat lunch together sometimes we would um yeah just talk about how I'm feeling it felt so human which is so weird but in the hospital they're like yep yep how you feel yeah okay all right see you next week (laughs) just so routine I can't get over that word but routine is the only word I can think of and then Red Rock was learning right along with me and so he would make me blood building syrup and bone broth I don't know can you if you want to share what's in bone broth yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> come, come with this uh, cooking journey now. <laughs> no, but um, we ended up getting um, some good resources, and one of them was a bone broth soup, which um, helped basically bring up all the nutrients that your body would lose during birth. And so we had buffalo bones that we roasted for two hours at three seventy-five. And that kind of brought out like all the nutrients in the bone. And after that, we would put it in a big pot with a whole red onion, two full garlic heads, uh, mushrooms, some sea salt, black peppercorns, like a basically like handful of mushroom peppercorns and a couple handfuls of stinging nettles, the juice of one lemon. And basically, I believe it was two full tomatoes and then a couple spoonfuls of apple cider vinegar and then we boiled that all night long so Mm -hmm. it went from like a clear water to like a rich brown color from all the food in there and then it slowly being extracted and so by the time it was done you could see like the healthy fat that was on top Mm -hmm. and like all the flavors blended together really good so it tasted good mm-hmm. but also it had all the nutrients in it as well and so we would I would just pour a cup for Elena and she would drink it and that would help replenish her body or he would add it in soups and he also learned how to make um, gluten-free fry bread because we have a friend in Seattle a family chosen kin in Seattle who is gluten liberated and so he learned how to make gluten-free fry bread which is we could also make gluten-free gabubu bread um, which I think is I don't know <laughs> I guess it's like anyways gabubu bread <laughs> but um, so we would have just soups too I think I, I preferred the soups because then the babies would eat it and it just was so freaking good And it was like nourishing our bodies and we just continued to learn with that. And so with coming back full circle to the day of the birth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it was a journey. And so the other thing we did and we can share. No, we'll we'll share more about the cradle board journey. Um, But the cradle board got finished before the baby was here. And so the day of the birth. I was having a dream that I was giving birth and I woke up and I was like, oh gosh, those are real. But I was calm. I was so calm and I was laying by my husband and I started waking him up and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is time. I start calling everybody. I was like, hey, I'm pretty sure I'm in labor. So my midwife was like, okay, try to get rest if you can. And my mom, I was like, you guys, 
it's happening. It's, you know, I'm I'm nervous because I had been having these feelings and dreams that I was going to that we were going to be alone. And for whatever reason, I feel like it was meant to happen the way it did. And so I basically um, called everybody. They were either on their way or were going to leave or maybe weren't able to come. So I just started to lean into my breath and I started praying and we had flute music playing and we were Red Rock was kind of nervous. Um, he was running around trying to we thought we were going to do a pool have a water birth (laughs) and so he was running that hose and it was snaking around in there and I was like what's going on who's here I didn't know what was happening and he was like that's the pool (laughs) and he was just trying to fill it up and anyways would have been freezing cold anyways (laughs) ran out of hot water (laughs) and so a couple weeks before probably a month before we were giving ready to give birth my niece had this really traumatic incident happen while they were in um, Missouri, I believe, where there was a really racist incident and they were trying to force her to do something she wasn't ready to do. And so I don't want to share her story on here, but she um, ended up coming here and we gave, both gave birth here in my home a week apart. And and I really hope that... Um, you know, we, we get to learn and share her story as well in the future, but I don't want to share that. It, it was so beautiful. Um, but when she's ready, I would like her to share it. So I had this, um, as I was breathing through the surges, I could feel the shifts happen. And I don't know how to describe the shifts, but I was starting to feel the shifts, like baby was shifting. Um, I knew he was a he because of dreams that I was having. And I was like, oh, gosh, he's ready. He's he's getting ready. And I sat up and I was like, I have to go bathroom. And I knew it wasn't that I had to go to the bathroom, but I didn't know what else to do. I, I felt like I knew what to do. I just was so scared. Like I said, I was like, we're alone. I don't know what's going to happen. And so I go sit on the toilet and he starts coming. Well, I help you to the bathroom. Yes. So. I helped her to the bathroom in between contractions and then her mom shows up outside. So I run out to the front of our house, open the door and I'm helping her mom in. And then I hear her yelling from the bathroom. (laughs) And so I book it inside. And as I get back into the bathroom, you could see baby coming into the world here. And so I'm like, all right. And for me, it was it felt natural to just jump in and catch catch him. He was still in the sack. The um, Lena's water didn't break, so he was still in the sack when he was being born. And I felt like this is so weird because they tell you to push in the hospital. They're like, okay, push. But this was the first experience where I was literally breathing and breathing and your breathing even shifts as you're like getting as the baby starts getting lower you can feel it the and everything the energy the movement of your body and I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god I felt like I could not I I felt like I could not hold him in and then that's when Red Rock came in saw baby pretty soon my mom walks in and and I was like oh my god Red Rock I'm scared I don't know what to do but when I say I'm scared I didn't feel scared it just felt like 
I was entering this new shift in energy or this new phase where I knew that I was ready for this and I knew that it was time but for whatever reason in my mind my colonized mind I was like there's not a doctor here what are we gonna do (laughs) because the baby is gonna be born I was sitting on a toilet and so Red Rock ended up catching him and instantly gave him to me and I just laughed I could not stop laughing I was just like uncontrollably laughing like oh my god he's here what I didn't feel Uh, you know, obviously all the hormones started coming. I didn't feel pain. We just kept laughing. All of us kept laughing. Like that just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then after that, I felt like, what? I could, I could go shopping at Costco probably. (laughs) (laughs) Costco was even here, (laughs) but I just felt like I had so much energy and adrenaline. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's here. I just kept saying that for like, weeks and months and you know he's gonna be three pretty soon and and I still am like I can't believe he's here he shifted so much in me he changed how I viewed my my body my ability to do things my um energy all the things he just shifted so much in me and and this is only this was the first home birth we did and the second home birth our baby just now turned one She was born in March 2022, and there were so many things that that shifted during that time, but my body was ready. My mind was ready. My spirit was ready. Red Rock was ready. There were so many things that were ready by the time she came that we we knew exactly what to do. We knew exactly who to contact. We knew exactly what was necessary. Like, we were open to all the love and care that we were starting to receive. Because also, with our first home birth and our first three kids, like, I never had anybody care for us. You know, like, we didn't have people making medicines for us and offering to cook or clean or wash our watch, watch our kids. or And we had that with, with this last baby. We just had our fourth baby. Even with our third baby, we had people show up and that was kind of like the first I guess example of community and love shown to us to take care of us and we had family show up cook us food make us teas for afterwards and Mm -hmm. and things to help keep us going so that way we could enjoy that that first hour the first moments with our new baby here and that was really big for us to have someone show up Yes. And so there's just so many things where we don't want to have this episode be super long. There's we could talk for days about our births and all the things we learned and the ways that we needed support, the ways that our kin and and family and chosen family and chosen kin, the way folks showed up for us in community and the ways that we want to show up for other people. And there have been so many lessons about just what it means to have body sovereignty, what it means to step into our traditions and life ways and and open this door um, for our kids to be able to witness this stuff and to be able to be a part of it. And so there was like a few things too that I wanted Red Rock to share really quick about how as a partner, how did it feel for you to show up as someone who um, 
you know, like they say, six weeks after the birth, then you're ready for sex. (laughs) Like (laughs) all of these things that were told in hospitals, like we had to disregard all of that stuff. And I was like, I need your support. I need you to help me at night when I'm exhausted. I need um, you to just hold me and love me and take the baby so I can nap and wash clothes and do dishes and and just help me allow my body to heal. I'm not on a timeline. Like I needed that kind of support. So what would you suggest for other men who are like um, I guess um my suggestion is listen to your partner and maybe that that involves a sit down of like okay what what do you need support with how do you want me to support you what because for us we fell into the routine of like mostly during the day I would take care of all the babies and like Lena wouldn't have to worry so much about them and during the nighttime she would nurse them all night and so she was able to take naps during the day and I was sleep mostly during the night and there was a few nights and a few times where she's just totally exhausted and she just says, I need some sleep. Can you take the baby tonight? And so just taking those moments and just being able to think of it as being able to spend that intimate moment with your baby with no one else around mm-hmm. and think thinking of it in that aspect of creating that bond that and you're going to remember those moments years afterwards of like, oh, man, I was so tired. But being able to look down and hold this baby and just take their face in, their smell, their just everything. And that means a lot. And to just meet your partner where they're at. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like even even with sex, that's like you try and you're like, all right, let's hold off it. It's not time yet, or <laughs> let's try later, cause it was months later. <laughs> <laughs> cause it, yeah, cause yeah, it's. I don't know what their bodies go through, so you can't. I can't be like, oh, you're ready. You're let's do this. <laughs> but to really have them listen to their body and to support them and respect them in that way, mm. and to. Yeah, meet them where they're at and to do check-ins of like, okay, how you feeling today? Do you need a nap? Do you need comfort food? Do you need healthy food? Like what, what is it that you feel like you need? Yes. And I didn't feel like I had to jump right back into being the mom mode. Like I seriously got to relax. And this was the first baby that I got to relax and just be because Red Rock took care of everything and the kids stepped up and took care of our older kids stepped up and took care of everything well and uh, two uh, just taking like taking the nonverbal clues because sometimes they are too tired to even say what they need or to think of what they Mm. need but just watching them and seeing like are they nursing baby a lot do they need water because when you're nursing you need tons of water (laughs) and so just constantly keeping those little things going for them or running me baths or just rubbing my feet just random stuff I just was so thankful for that and I feel like my first two kids I tried really hard to just be like no 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 I'm good I got this I'm okay no like I it's all right this is what we do right (laughs) 
but so I just yeah I really appreciate Red Rock sharing that because that's um that was so necessary during that time um but that's all we have for you today we want to leave you with a Lakota word because that's what the theme we want to have every week and we have shared this word with other folk, like with our nonprofit, the Mini Wichoni Health Circle. We've also shared it in other spaces, but it was actually shared with us from an elder. Yep, like she, Tim meant senior, and he learned it from his Kushitku uh, or his grandmother, Charlotte Laura Bighead or Zintkanawashdewi, who is a Dakota midwife and birth worker. Um, when he was younger, she taught him this. And so the word is Makagana. 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 So this is the ceremony when baby's body touches the mixture of maka or earth and amniotic fluid as soon as they're born. And so what we did was we gathered mold dirt because my dad tells us that that's the cleanest dirt. <laughs> so you grab, you use mold. We used mold dirt um, because we didn't give birth in a teepee like I had wished or anywhere that was out on earth that we brought the molder inside and that was the first thing that the baby touched and and it was a beautiful ceremony and so I'm um, forever grateful for that and there have been a lot of other things incorporated but this is what we'll share now because this is the thing that shifted our um, our whole beings and it's something we're super grateful for. Yes. And so being able to share this with you, just hopefully you're able to take what you hear today from us and incorporate your own culture, your own traditions into either your next birth, your family member's birth, or help people that are reaching out and looking for these things that they can look to you or look to a knowledge keeper in your community to help bring or keep our traditions here and keep igniting them and making them stronger yes so share um support your relatives make sure that um you're advocating for folks and whatever ways that they they want to have their birth or use medicines or share teachings just make sure that that you're not taking up space that 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 space is for the birther and their families and um what they need is is what's best and so yay thank you for listening and we'll be back next week doksha doksha